welcome to Living Freely Podcast, where our mission is to provide you with down-to-earth topics on mental wellness and realistic tips for living life more balanced and achieving optimal mental health. Living Freely Podcast is brought to you by Norfolk, Virginia Public Libraries and is hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor with 15 years in the mental health field and very passionate about providing you with realistic strategies. With new episodes coming out weekly. Join in as I tackle relevant topics for personal growth, one podcast episode at a time. Be well and live well. Hi, and welcome back to Living Freely Podcast. So it is just amazing to me that we are already moving in to a new month. So welcome to March, everyone. I hope that you have had a great 2021 thus far, or if it has been difficult, I hope that you are taking very good care of yourself, living well and being well as always. And today we are back and I'm very excited about this particular episode because we are talking of all about communication. So communication 101, if you will. Understanding how to communicate directly and assertively is just so important because as you know, how we communicate, how we express ourselves can really increase our sense of self-confidence. It can help us to feel more empowered, more in control of our lives. And so I cannot impress upon you enough and empower you enough to use some of the tools that I'll be talking talking about today to increase your ability to communicate well. So just to kind of break it down, we are going to define and explain the four different kinds of communication, how to practice assertive communication, identifying what passive aggressive communication is, and why being assertive is so good for your mental health and your self-confidence. So I'm very excited to share this information. I do a lot of work around increasing communication skills just in my work as a therapist. I actively try to practice assertive communication myself. And I might add, if you're anything like me, perhaps your communication styles have changed over the years as you have grown. And maybe even some of this information that we talk about today will be a great reinforcement or reminder, affirmation of how you are already communicating. And if that's the case, good for you. I'm so happy that you've still joined in though today. So let me go ahead and just start by breaking down what is considered the four basic styles of communication. If you're interested, this is just such a beautiful resource from the University of Kentucky.edu, wellness and four communication styles. It's a PDF document, and they have just so nicely broken down the four basic styles of communication. And in any episode, I do always like to go back and share a little bit of education on the topic at hand. That way you walk away feeling empowered and knowing, oh, okay, these are the four different kinds of communication. So number one is passive communication. So passive communication is essentially what it sounds like 
it's being passive, it's turning your head, but ultimately it's a style of communicating in which individuals have developed a pattern of avoidance and avoiding expressing opinions, feelings, protecting their own rights, and in some cases, even being able to identify and meet their needs. So communication is so much more than just the words that we speak. Communication takes absolutely a level of self-awareness on being able to even understand what your needs are in recognition on when a boundary has been crossed so that you can communicate that to someone else and make those healthy changes. So it's communication goes so much deeper than just verbal expression. And we know there are other forms of communication, body language, eye contact, all of the above. And so that passive communication style, though, however, is at, at the root of it, it's avoidance. It's not being comfortable with identifying, even expressing what your needs are. Sometimes as a result of being passive, passive individuals don't respond overtly to situations that are hurtful or anger-inducing. So like I, I was initially saying, sometimes passivity can cause a person to turn their head and internalize, stuff those emotions down instead of addressing the problem head on. So the result, unfortunately, is that when we are passive in our communication, the other person in the situation who has maybe said something that hurt your feelings, done something that infringed upon your boundary, they're not aware. And so unless it's communicated, we've all heard the phrase, nobody can read minds, but unless it is openly communicated, the person who has committed the, I want to say, offensive act, they're unaware. And so I just think of the example, if you don't like to have unwanted visitors just drop by your home unannounced, yet there's that one particular person who just always stops by, you're in the middle of a million different things, you feel like you have to stop and entertain. This is just a random example that comes to my mind, but it's never communicated, hey, I really need a heads up before you stop by then the other person may just continue to repeat the unwanted behavior and just drop by whenever they want to. So as you can imagine, learning to face whatever issue is going on head on and address it assertively is so vital because it does help you to feel safe and secure and more confident in identifying and expressing your needs. So in co passive communication, Passive folks will often allow those grievances and annoyances to build up. And sometimes there can even not be awareness that there is the buildup occurring. So it's like that, that same example that I like to use, putting a pot on simmer. And eventually that pot on the stove gets so hot that it ends up boiling 
over. So if you leave a pot on simmer, it, it can stay there for a, a little bit before anything negative happens. You know, it, it heats up, it warms up, but after that period of time, it will get so hot, the water will start boiling and boil over. And that's what can happen with passive folks. Once you reach that threshold where you just can't take it anymore, that's when the explosive outburst can happen. That's when maybe even if you identify with this or you have someone in your life that you recognize is passive and they avoid discussing issues, sometimes when they reach that point, the boiling point, they can react and their reaction can be out of proportion to the incident. So it then creates sometimes this cycle where after someone reacts negatively because they've let all these emotions build up, then the passive person can start to feel shame, guilt, confusion, and then they go right back to being passive because they don't like feeling those emotions or dealing with the aftermath of a situation. So it can really be a cyclical experience. So a couple indicators of passive communicators in communication, sometimes when you're a passive communicator, you will fail to assert yourself. You may allow others to deliberately or inadvertently infringe upon your rights. I think about someone who is in the workplace and you are so stressed out, but instead of facing the stress head on and communicating, hey, I need help or I'm feeling overwhelmed, they just keep saying yes, keep saying yes, okay, I can handle it, I can do it. And so it's in inadvertently infringing upon that boundary that you need to have set to feel well. Okay, so passive communicators can sometimes fail to express their feelings, those needs or opinions. They may speak softly or apologetically. So that's, you know, I think about somebody who has a question and there's there's nothing to apologize when you have a question, but they may say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm so sorry to bring this up, but blah, blah, blah. Here's my question. Passive communicators may have poor eye contact and even have that slumped body posture. So in terms of communication, we know that confident communicators stand tall. They make eye contact. They Their body language signals almost that level of openness, but passive communicating often entails darting eyes, not meeting somebody's eyes full on. That body language seems to kind of portray a lack of self-confidence. So let's talk about the impacts of being a passive communicator because it's so important to understand some of the fallout that can happen if you don't openly and assertively express your needs. So being a passive communicator can elicit feelings of anxiety because life doesn't seem to be within your control. It can elicit a sense of depression or feelings of depression, sadness, because you can start to feel stuck and hopeless. You can feel resentful 
because maybe you feel like your needs are not being met. And then there can even be a sense of confusion because when you are a passive communicator, as we've already discussed, you can really ignore your own feelings. You can start to avoid identifying what your needs are. And then that's what takes us away from understanding our core sense of self. And we can feel really confused. Well, what do I even need? Last but not least, passive communicators may have some growth stunting because real issues are never addressed. When we're uncomfortable, that's when real growth happens. Growth doesn't happen when we're in our same little flow day in and day out doing the same thing. We have to sometimes step outside of our comfort zones, and that's when new issues arise, but we learn how to address those issues. And then once you successfully address an issue, confidence is born. So it's really a foundational, you know, it's almost like building a house. There are all these different stages that have to happen for those core issues to become addressed. So if you know someone who is a passive communicator, or maybe you are already self-aware enough to know you don't like conflict, you avoid it at all costs, you turn your head, you push your own needs aside, and sometimes statements that will come out from being a passive communicator may have certain themes such as, I feel unable to stand up for my rights. I don't know what my needs are. I just get stepped on by everyone. I always get taken advantage of. I'm weak or unable to take care of myself, and people never consider my feelings. So if you recognize some of those statements, either that you're making about yourself or you hear someone in your life making those, to keep tuning in or share this episode because we're going to talk all about how to start to shift from being a passive communicator to a more assertive communicator. So truly, assertive communication is the healthiest form of communication of all. So, but before we get into that, let's really quickly tackle aggressive communication. So I'm sure if you have lived In this world, for any period of time, you have run into an aggressive communicator. And so essentially, aggressive communication is a style in which people express their feelings and opinions and advocate advocate for their needs, but in a way that violates the rights of others. So aggressive communicators can either be verbally and or physically abusive. So indications that somebody is being an aggressive communicator, they will often try to dominate others, use humiliation to control others. They can be a bully, and this can manifest itself through criticism, blaming others, or verbally or physically attacking others. Aggressive communicators can be very impulsive, and so they can, that phrase, fly by the seat of their pants, that comes to mind for me. So maybe they make a negative statement. It seemingly comes out of nowhere. It feels really impulsive. They can have a very low frustration 
tolerance. So when stress gets really high, the aggression comes out. Aggressive communicators can speak in a loud, demanding, and overbearing voice. They can act threateningly and very rudely. Aggressive communicators also often don't listen well. You know, there's some people where when you're an active listener, you're intently focused on what the other person is saying. You are being mindful of taking in the information from the other person. But sometimes an indication that you're dealing with an aggressive communicator is when you can barely get the words out and the other person is already jumping in and almost railroading what you are trying to say. So aggressive communicators, <laughs> that leads me to the next point. They can interrupt frequently. They use a lot of those you statements. So you do this. You make me feel this way. If you didn't act this way, I wouldn't have to do this to you. They don't accept responsibility. They can have a physically overbearing or intimidating posture. And it goes back to that phrase or that concept that just because someone is the loudest person in the room doesn't mean that they're right, doesn't mean that they're acting appropriately. And so all of these traits often go into making up an aggressive communicator. So the impact of and of a pattern of aggressive communication is that the person who is being the aggressive individual can often either on purpose or inadvertently alienate themselves from others. Because let's just be honest, who wants to be close friends or in a relationship with someone who's an aggressive communicator? It's too difficult. Oftentimes your needs aren't met. You you being a person who may have a friendship with an aggressive communicator, you may not feel heard. You may feel like it's always about the other person. They don't listen to you. So the aggressive communicator can absolutely become alienated from others. They can push other people away, so they can alienate others. They can generate fear and dislike, even hatred in other people towards them. They can always blame others instead of owning their issues. And once again, that growth process becomes stunted. So some some statements that an aggressive communicator can sometimes make, and so these are kind of those red flags to listen out for if you know someone who is an aggressive communicator or you're on the fence, you're thinking, okay, sometimes they get a little loud, but you know what, I need more information. So someone who aggressively communicates will say, believe, or behave in ways that indicate I'm superior. I'm right, you're inferior, and you're wrong. They may say or or behave in ways that indicate I'm loud, bossy, and pushy. I can dominate and intimidate you. I can violate your rights. I'll get my way no matter what. You're not worth anything. It's all your fault. I react instantly, so oftentimes there are high levels of reactivity, so emotional outbursts, emotional displays. They can indicate, they can act in ways that indicate that they are entitled, 
So you owe me this or I'm owed this or in in very severe cases, an aggressive communicator can even start to put out the message that he or she owns you. And it's interesting because unfortunately, sometimes passive communicators and aggressive communicators enter into relationships together. And this is not a good combination. As you can imagine, maybe you have already lived this or know someone who's living it right now. But it's it's kind of interesting because sometimes aggressive communicators almost subconsciously seek out passive communicators because it's so much easier to try to dominate or control someone who's passive. So these are all things to really look out for. Okay, this is probably this next type of communication is my least favorite form of communicating. At least when you're dealing with somebody who's an aggressive communicator, you can feel it. You can almost identify it immediately, but this next one can be very sneaky, and I'm talking all about passive-aggressive communication. This is a style in which individuals appear passive. They may even seem easygoing. So you, they may say, oh, that's no problem. Okay, I'll take care of it. But underneath the surface, they are really acting out anger in a subtle, indirect, or behind-the-scenes way. People who develop a pattern of passive-aggressive communication usually feel powerless, stuck, and resentful, and so they may feel incapable of dealing directly with the object of their resentment. So instead, they express their anger by subtly undermining the object whether it's real or imagined, of their resentment. So one example that comes to mind is the person who, uh, whether it's on a personal level or professional level, they say, oh yeah, it's no problem. I'm happy to help. But when you have asked them to carry out a task, they agree to it, but then the task never gets carried out. And it's it's just that passive-aggressive way of on that surface, they're saying, okay, yeah, it's no problem, but their actions indicate otherwise. It can, passive aggressive communicators can in many ways not to be dramatic here, but it can be a dangerous situation because you may really be depending on somebody to carry out something or they have verbally agreed to do something and then the task never gets done because They're resentful. They don't want to do it, but instead of feeling that level of confidence to be assertive and state that they don't have time or they're not interested, they just are passive about it. So here are some indications of a passive-aggressive communicator. Folks who are passive-aggressive can sometimes, they'll mutter to themselves, so they'll kind of make those little side statements under their breath rather than confront the person or issue. They have difficulty acknowledging their anger. They can use facial expressions that don't match how they feel. So they may smile when they're angry, which can oftentimes only cause a sense of confusion for the other person because somebody is smiling at you, but you can feel the anger. You can sense that they're upset, but they won't cop to it. They'll deny that there is a problem. 
Passive aggressive communicators will oftentimes use a lot of sarcasm because sarcasm is an indirect way to express your real thoughts and feelings. Passive aggressive communicators will often appear cooperative while purposefully doing things to annoy and disrupt. They may even use subtle sabotage to get even. The other, last but not least, trait that will maybe help you better understand that you're dealing with somebody who's a passive-aggressive communicator is that instead of dealing with an issue head-on, the person just shuts down on you. They refuse to speak to you. They stonewall. They give you the silent treatment. It's a way that they are able to passively confront the issue by not confronting it and avoiding that communication. So what are the impacts of a pattern of passive-aggressive communicators? So oftentimes these folks will really start to also become alienated from other people around them. They can develop almost a reputation of not being dependable. People can want to avoid them because they don't want to deal with that passivity and then the aggressiveness they can remain stuck in a position of powerlessness because they never really learn to confront an issue head on. And so that cycle of passively agreeing to something while under the surface being just enraged or upset or that subtle sabotage, they don't know how to break that cycle. And so then they can really start to expel a sense of resentment And real issues, again, are never addressed. So that emotional maturity and growth never happens. The passive-aggressive communicator will sometimes say, believe, or even behave in ways that indicate I'm weak, I'm resentful, I sabotage, I'm frustrated, and so I disrupt. I'm powerless to deal with a person head on, so I have to take matters into my own hands and try to disrupt the situation, and I'll appear cooperative, but I'm not. And so sometimes, you know, we hear the term passive-aggressive communication. It gets thrown around quite a bit, but at the crux of it, it is really a person who on the surface, they seem like they're in agreement. They're giving you one message, but they're behaving in ways that indicate a complete opposite. This can take this can manifest itself just in so many forums. I think about a person who you schedule a meeting with them. They're on board. Yeah, I can make it. And then the time for the meeting comes and they they just don't show up. And that's their way of aggressively being obstinate or resistant to what is happening. So Keep that in mind when you are when we're going through these these communication styles because passive aggressive is a big one. So now moving on to what is my favorite form of communication. Let's break down exactly what assertive communication is. Okay, so when we talk about assertive communication, 
it can be a scary place for folks to really wrap their heads around, especially if you have developed a pattern of being very passive. However, let me just go ahead and instill some hope. You can absolutely increase your communication abilities and become more assertive. I have seen it happen so many times, and the effects are just, I want to say magical, but they really are. It's empowering. It's a self-confidence boost to be able to identify and own your needs and feel like you can express yourself in a confident way. But Assertive communication is essentially a style in which individuals clearly state their opinions and feelings and firmly advocate for their rights and needs without violating the rights of others. Assertive individuals value themselves. They value their time, and they also value their emotional, spiritual, and physical needs and are very strong, confident advocates for themselves while also being respectful of the rights of others. Who doesn't want to be an assertive communicator? So just like we were talking about the psychology of communication, being assertive is essentially really at the end of the day, it's having a sense of self-confidence. It's almost tied into feeling worthy of expressing your needs, having a set of expectations and a standard for how you want to be treated, and being able to communicate when you receive treatment that is does not meet your standard or your expectation for how you want to be treated. So assertive communicators will often state their needs and wants clearly, appropriately, and respectfully, express feelings clearly, appropriately, and respectfully. You know that you're dealing with an assertive communicator when you talk to somebody and they use I statements. I feel uncomfortable. I don't like how you're talking to me right now. And it's coming from a place of not being condescending or punitive, but just matter of fact, I don't like this. I'm not going to be able to attend the meeting. Thank you for asking me. But it's really honing in on those I statements. Assertive communicators have the ability to communicate respect for others. They listen well without interrupting. The total antithesis and opposite of being an aggressive communicator, when you are assertive, and this is something I encourage everyone to practice, it is staying mindful and in the present moment focusing on what the other person you're interacting with is saying and not going ahead and creating your next talking point in your head. It's really taking in and listening to what someone else is sharing. So listening well without interrupting. Assertiveness equals feeling a sense of control over yourself. And why wouldn't you? Because when you're assertive, you're able to identify okay, I'm feeling stressed. I need to take a break. Let me go ahead and just articulate this to other folks or whatever the case could be. When assertive communicators have good eye contact, they speak in a calm and clear tone of voice. So they're walking that middle line between emotional and logical thinking. There's a human 
aspect to an assertive communicator so that they're they're not totally unrelatable but they're also not getting so wrapped up in emotion in an emotional state that they're becoming angry or loud so that calm clear confident tone of voice they have a relaxed body posture so it all goes into that body language in communication so next time that you get into a heated moment or you're feeling stressed out see if you you know let me just go ahead and try and plant a little seed assess yourself how are you feeling how are you how's your body language do your arms instinctively cross do your shoulders slump over and one of those key tenets of being assertive is just to focus on having that relaxed body posture. So if you notice that your hands are clenched in front of you, maybe you consciously unclench them and just place them down by your side. At the end of the day, assertive communicators feel connected to other people because they're able to reach that authentic and genuine place of communicating their needs. They feel competent and in control. They also feel empowered because they don't allow others to abuse or manipulate them. Assertive communicators also stand up for their own rights and they recognize I do have certain rights as a human being. So as we've already touched on, the impact and pattern of being an assertive communicator is that oftentimes these people have fulfilling relationships with others. They feel that sense of control over their lives. They are able to engage in growth because they address issues and problems as they arise. Let me go ahead and just point out, just because you are an assertive communicator, doesn't mean that you're always going to feel confident addressing an issue. But when you're being assertive, you know that, hey, I have to say something for my own emotional or physical or mental well-being. And you may not do it perfectly, but you get your point across. Assertive communication doesn't have to be a pretty package wrapped up in a perfect box. I just have to put that out there. Even the most assertive people are going to make mistakes. But guess what? They learn from the mistakes that they make. So just if you're hearing this and feeling overwhelmed or thinking, I could never be assertive, give yourself permission to make mistakes in your journey to be more assertive. Um, It just goes without saying. I consider myself to be a pretty assertive communicator, but I know I I don't communicate perfectly because no one does. And so I just have to share that to normalize the experience of communication. It's never gonna be perfect, but when you are engaging in that assertive assertive communication of your needs, it's empowering because you have that sense of self-confidence over identifying what it is you need. It also allows you to create a respectful environment for yourself to grow, for your relationships to mature and be cultivated in a healthy way. Indications in ways that assertive communicators will often behave, statements that they believe, and things that they may say to themselves are that we are equally entitled to express ourselves respectfully to one another. 
I am confident about who I am. I realize I have choices in my life and I can consider my options. I will speak clearly, honestly, and to the point. I can't control others, but I can control myself. So they do, when you practice assertive communication, I'm going to go ahead and just put it out there. There's a good chance you have a, a high internal locus of control. So you're focusing on what it is you can control and not getting overwhelmed at everything that you can't control. If you want to hear more about internal versus external locus of control, go back to a couple episodes ago where I talked all about using and finding your internal and external locus of control. The next kind of self-statement or way that an assertive communicator will behave is that they place a high priority on having rights respected. They're responsible and they know that they're responsible for getting their own needs met in a respectful manner. So they take responsibility for their actions. There's also an owning and an apologizing for when emotions do come up or the emotions get the better of someone who's an assertive communicator. They also understand that no one owes them anything unless they've agreed to give it to them. And last but not least, when you are an assertive communicator, you understand and you know I'm 100% responsible for my own happiness. And this can be a very empowering way to live. When you take responsibility for your sense of happiness, it's not rooted in external experiences, other people. You know at the end of the day, when I'm alone, am I my own best friend? Am I acting in accordance to being my own best friend? And when you recognize, no, I'm not. I'm working too much or I'm putting my own needs aside. What do I need to do to make some healthy changes? It's a very freeing and empowering way to live. So these are the four main kinds of communication styles. And just as a quick review, we've got our passive communication, our aggressive communication, passive-aggressive communication. Y'all already know that that's my least favorite. And then we've got assertive communication. So how do we start to improve communication style? I'm going to go ahead and just give you a couple quick tips on how to get your journey going because this is, to me, the most important part of this episode. I want you to go out and live out being an assertive communicator. So learning to speak assertively enables you to not only respect your own needs, but respect other people's needs and maintain healthy boundaries in your relationships. So some of these tips are being pulled from verywellmind.com. Learn assertive communication in five simple steps. The first step is when you are about to engage in being assertive, Be factual about what you don't like. So when approaching someone about a behavior that you would like to see changed, stick to the factual descriptions of what they've done. Rather than using those negative labels or heightened emotionally charged words, that could convey judgment. And Very Well Mind gives us example. Here's a situation. Your friend who habitually runs late, has shown up again 20 minutes late for a lunch date. The inappropriate slash 
kind of aggressive response would be, you are so rude. You're always so late and it makes me never want to come out to eat with you. However, the assertive communicating manner would be, hey, we were supposed to meet at 1130, but now it's 1150. And as you can see in that assertive communication style, it's really sticking to the facts. It's literally commenting on the time versus going into that emotionally charged state of calling somebody rude, saying, I'm never going to go out to eat with you again. So be factual about what you don't like. Here is the key point. When you're being assertive, we cannot assume that you know what the other person's motives are especially if you think they're negative. It's really easy to write a story. So even in this situation where maybe your friend, you know they're always late, but you start to take it personally. Okay, I they don't want to hang out with me. They're they're, you know, dreading coming out to lunch and that's why they're late. That's writing a narrative. That's writing a story that we don't even know is true. And so when you're being assertive, that's why it's so important to be factual because it can really cause you to act in that emotionally charged way or that, you know, engage in an aggressive response. So first tip, be factual about what you don't like. Second, we can't judge or exaggerate. So being factual about what you don't like in someone's behavior without over-dramatizing or judging is just such a crucial start to this process. So the same can be true for when we start to describe the effects of a person's behavior. So we never want to exaggerate, label, or judge, just describe. In considering the example where your friend is late for lunch, an inappropriate response that involves judging and exaggerating is, Now lunch is ruined. You are just so irresponsible. An assertive way to communicate it would be, hey, now I have less time to spend at lunch because I still need to be back to work by one o'clock. This could be if somebody comes to a meeting late, then at that point, you you still have to end the meeting at the same time. And so it's just communicating that factually, without judgment, without making those statements about someone's character, because truly, we don't know what happened. We don't know what your friend has been through. We, we don't know if they had a flat tire and if, you know, before they can even sit down, you're calling them rude and saying how irresponsible and lunch is ruined. We, we just don't know the full scope of the situation. So don't judge, don't exaggerate. Body language and tone of voice definitely matter in being assertive. Let yours reflect your confidence. So standing up straight, maintaining eye contact, yet also staying relaxed. And we always want to use that firm but pleasant tone. Third strategy is I am such a huge fan of I statements. And that's our third tip. Use I statements. So there is a little phenomenon that occurs when we lead off with a you statement. Not only can it sometimes come across as judgmental, but it almost, I would say, 93% of the time, I haven't, you know, researched this, but just from watching and seeing this play out so many times, I would say about 93%, it almost 
instantly causes the other person to go on the defense. This has become such a knee-jerk reaction to me. I'll be watching a movie. I'll be watching a TV show. And I hear somebody go in with that, you do this or you never or you always. And it just makes me cringe because you can watch the other person become defensive and escalated. However, if you start with an I statement, I don't like it. I need more help around the house. I don't feel supported, then the focus becomes more on how you are feeling, you're owning your experience, and how you're affected by the behavior. You're not placing blame on the other person per se, but you're communicating how you feel about the situation. So when you're in a discussion, don't forget to listen and ask questions understand the other person's point of view. So I always liken assertive communication to be that twofold of first, we've got to use I statements, owning how you feel, owning the behaviors that you don't want to see. But then also we always have to act and, and come from a place of seeking understanding because we don't, we, we never know what's going on with someone else unless we ask, unless we seek that open communication and the open understanding. All right, the fourth strategy is put it all together. So here's a great formula that essentially puts the whole process of being more assertive all together. This is a statement that you can always use. When you parentheses insert the behavior that you don't like, I feel blank. So when you scream at me, I feel scared. When you're late, I feel disrespected. And when we pair these factual statements with owning how we feel, it provides a very direct, non-attacking, and more responsible way of letting people know how their behavior affects you. So it could even be so much as another example, when you don't give me notice, I feel let down. So maybe somebody always cancels plans with you at the very last minute. So we lead in, and I know it seems kind of like a you statement, but we're also adding the I statement on. So when you cancel plans with me at the last minute, I feel disappointed. So pairing the factual statement with the I statement always creates a more open, assertive way of communicating. Last but not least strategy, it's always okay and in fact encouraged to, when being assertive, list out behavior, results, and feelings. So this is the more advanced kind of variation of the previous formula of putting it all together that we just talked about. And this includes the results of their behavior, and it often, it can look like this. So when you blank, then results of their behavior, blank, and I feel blank. Example, because I know this can be, I know you're listening to this right now, not necessarily seeing it written on paper. So for example, when you arrive late, I have to wait and then I feel frustrated. So it's putting it out, the behavior that we don't like. We don't like when somebody gets there late because then the result is that you feel like you have to wait And then the feeling attached to it is frustrated. So 
Another way of putting this, let's say that you and your partner, you don't feel like you're getting enough help. So it could be when you come home from work and zone out, I feel emotionally neglected and then I start to feel resentful. So do you see how it kind of describes the behavior, the results of the of the other person's behavior, and then your feelings? So this is a great time and this is a great strategy to be able to identify what exactly is going on. But if this feels even too much, the biggest thing is just to use the I statements. Always use those I statements. Understand you are always allowed to communicate how you feel. We have our feelings for a reason. And it is okay for you to want to state your needs. This is a common misconception that being assertive means that you're being difficult, you're confrontational. And it we have got to recreate the narrative around that. Since when did stating your needs or stating that you're not comfortable or that you won't be able to attend an event, when did that start to equate to being difficult? So if that is a message that you've heard or maybe you've internalized it, now is the perfect time to really start to live out. It is okay for, it's always okay for you to state your needs and what is going to help you to feel safe, secure, and content in your own life. I cannot say that enough. So wherever you are in your communication journey, I really hope that this has been helpful for you today. If you are struggling with breaking free of that passive communication and being more assertive, start by understanding your needs. What is it that you want to see happen in your life? What do you need? Really, really start paying attention when you feel upset by someone else. Because, And let's take note of it. Let's keep it in our mind because we want to, just as we learned in the verywellmind.com, learn assertive communication in five steps formula, we want to be able to list out behaviors that other people do, the results of when the other person engages in that behavior, and your feelings that occur as a result. It's just so vitally important to put it out there. So no matter where you are, be assertive, work on that assertive communication. And as always, I hope that you are living well and being well. Take care, you guys. See you next week. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Living Freely Podcast, where we are bringing you all of the down-to-earth and realistic information on achieving optimal mental health. Like what you've heard, consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can be enjoyed by other listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We will see you next week.